Hello, and welcome to the Finding the Magic podcast. This is Season 1, Episode 14. I'm Trisha Copeland, multi-genre YA and clean new adult romance author and host of the show. This is a super fun episode as I'm hosting guest author S.F. Benson. S.F. Benson is the author of Paranormal Suspense series, The Spellcaster Diaries. Although she knows everything about Falls Creek, New York, and the supernaturals living there, she resides with her husband and daughter in a suburb north of Atlanta. When she's not writing about strong heroes and heroines conquering the odds, she spends her time either reading romance and fantasy novels or binge-watching her favorite DC Universe shows or Marvel movies. Without further ado, listen in as I talk books, characters, and reading with S.F. Benson. Good morning. I am here with S.F. Benson, multi-genre author, and I'm blessed to call friend. It's so great to see you. Um, for people on our podcast, I, um, I am seeing her live on Zoom, so that is super fun. I don't, maybe I saw you once last year. Did you come to the Halloween um, book bash? No? No, okay. Maybe I didn't see you at all last year, just in passing on Facebook, like shifts in the night. How are you today, SF? Pretty good. Pretty good. It's Monday and it's just kind of weird. It's, I'm sitting in my office and I see every delivery person who shows up. So I'm like, I got one eye to the window going, okay, so who is that for? <laughs> so it's like, okay, I know my daughter's expecting something, but I don't think I have anything coming today. So, but uh, I'm here for you. Uh, get this podcast going and for the readers, it's, it's kind of weird. This time of year, usually I'm planning for a book signing. So it's weird not to have that in the, the making this year. Do you have any on slate for the year to come in 2020? Uh, actually, no. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, I'm signed up for two, but it really looks like I'm not going to be able to do that. My family, we're moving across country. And then when you, you look at how much I have to spend for airline tickets and ordering books and hotel room, it's like, yeah, maybe it's not a good time to do that with a cross country move. So. We'll see. I'm keeping my fingers crossed, but it's really looking like I'm going to have to cancel those events. Well, I'm sure that everyone can find your amazing books online. So why don't we jump into talking about those? Tell me what genres you write in. Well, um, I have two official pen names. So uh, under SF Benson, I write romantic fantasy, uh, primarily paranormal romance. And then under Nadira Fox, I write uh, darker romance. Uh, romantic suspense and some paranormal. Exciting. I love, well, you know that I love the paranormal genre. So <laughs> I've just read a couple of your books. So that's super fun. How many books have you published so far? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> it's always, it's, it's over 20. It's like, uh, you know, pinpointing it. It's like SF Benson, of course, has the bulk of the books. Um, and then uh, Nadira Fox, it's like, I can't even remember how many books I have at the moment, but I, I know it's over 20. So tell us about one series. If a reader is new to you, which one would you pick for them? Well, if you are a fan of paranormal romance, I would definitely start with my Another Falls Creek romance series. 
and that. This is the first book in the series. They, it's a, they're all a series of standalones, but the characters cross from one book to another. So it's like there isn't an, an overreaching uh, plot or anything, but you'll see each of the different characters and they're all after the same thing. They're all trying to find that perfect romance. And some of the characters are trying to find that with other paranormals. And then there are some who are trying to find that with humans. So that's really interesting. Um, if you are more into fairy tale retellings, then you will definitely want to do this one here. Uh, All Things Dark and Magical. The first book is The Glass Watch. And this is my very first fairy tale retelling. It is a gender flip on Cinderella. So instead of being the little boy, you've got a, uh, a little, instead of a little girl, you got a little boy. And he's got a stepmom, a stepsister, and a half brother. And the glass watch is his item that allows him to time travel. So he does it by accident. And so that's this entire book. And then, and it's a short read. And then the next book after that is Bitter Fruit, which is more about his sister. And you think of that as an evil Snow White. And then the final book, which should be out later this fall, is The Red Veil. And that is Red Riding Hood turned assassin. Ooh, all those sound really intriguing. And tell me what age group that is for. Is that YA or is that adult? That is uh, YA. The fairy tale retelling is definitely YA. Uh, you may get a few uh, moments of kissing or a I love you, but it doesn't go any further than that. One, because it takes place in the Victorian era. So <laughs> you can't do that in Victorian times. Only behind closed doors, right? <laughs> Not even behind closed doors back then. It was like, uh, sorry, unless you're married, that's not happening. Very closely guarded. Neat. So under SF Benson, then that's more your YA to clean romance, correct? Uh, yes, that is a clean romance. Um, SF Benson doesn't have a lot of YA. That, that series is YA. And then I have the one paranormal romance, uh, Cursed Hearts, as part of the Hearts duology. This one is YA, and it's a supernatural take on Romeo and Juliet. Uh, Juliet is a vampire. Uh, excuse me, Juliet is an um, <laughs> the female ver- the succubus. It's like okay, brain cell, brain fart. It's Monday, people. Uh, she's a succubus, a teenage succubus who's just coming into her powers. And Romeo is the vampire, and unfortunately, he's a vampire who was turned when he was a teenager, so he looks like a teenager forever. And so they get to find love for the first time and that is a twist on that. And I wrap up their story. There's an ebook only for them, Holidays. And it's a Christmas story, but it wraps up their story. That sounds really neat. Can you tell us more about the succubus and what they are? I don't know if a lot of listeners will know that. Well, a succubus, think of it as a vampiric type character uh, instead of sucking blood they actually drain your essence. They drain what makes up your soul. And so in order for them to leave, they've got to you know, live. They've got to get a, a little taste of that each night. The incubus is more known for actually sleeping with his victims. But since this is a clean novel, we don't have anything where uh, she's sleeping with anyone. Her, Kelsey's problem is that she kisses a boy and he dies because she doesn't know that it's like, okay, I can only kiss this boy for so long before I drain him of his, his, 
his soul. And so after these boys keep dropping dead, it's like, you know, she's just like, I'm done with it. I'm never going to have a boyfriend. I'm never going to find love. I'm over it. Her brother, the incubus, who's like, hey, you know, I'm super cool. I'll never fall in love. I got this nailed down. He keeps trying to fix her up with someone. And she's like, nope, sorry, I'm done. And then she runs into this vampire. And she's like, he kissed me and he didn't die. <laughs> what happened? She doesn't realize he's a vampire. And he's doing a really good job of hiding who he is. Until they actually find out about each other. And it's like, oh, this is wild. I can kiss you and you'll never die. But he makes a mistake. He bites her. And that's where the curse comes in. Oh, that sounds really interesting and enticing. I might have to run out and get that book. <laughs> <laughs> so the vampire is, does he not have a soul? Is he already dead? Is that why he's impervious yeah. to dying? About it. Vampires are supposed to be resurrected dead. So they don't have a soul anymore. Uh, where I twisted in my uh, world is that although he doesn't have a soul, uh, he still has a heart. So he's, he has a heartbeat, he just doesn't have a soul anymore. Uh, and, you know, their hair continues to grow, so they're constantly having to trim their hair. Uh, I don't mention mirrors, but technically, you know, some vampires, they can't see their image, so they don't look in mirrors. So I don't really mention that because it's like, hey, I know how I look. I've been around for so many years. I know how I look. <laughs> when you're forever a teenager, why do you need to look in a mirror? <laughs> He doesn't want that reminder. It's like, you know, no one should be cursed to be a teenager for the rest of their lives. It's like, you know, he would date girls his age or closer to his age, but he's like, uh, I'm sorry, I have no, I, no desire to go out with 16 year olds. But then he stumbles across Kelsey <laughs> and is like, okay, life changes for him. That sounds super sweet. I, yeah, I might definitely have to run out and get that one. Yeah, but it's definitely sweet romance. There's no, you know, other than the, the kisses, <laughs> there is, there's absolutely no sex in the story. And for our adult listeners, tell us a little bit about your Nadira Fox book. Ah, Nadira Fox. Well, I didn't bring any copies in here, but I can tell you that uh, that is going to be the darker side of romance. Um, the only series that I have for Nadira Fox is the TKO Love series, which is an MMA fighter romance. And that is my, the latest set of books. I've just finished that one. Uh, we have Fighting for Mine, Fighting for Love, and Fighting for the Best. Fighting for Love uh, is a more of a diverse story. They're all diverse, but the first book takes place, uh, the main character is Caucasian, and he, his girlfriend who becomes his wife is Latina. And book two, we've got a Latina, uh, a Latino and a Native American. And the Native American, she ends up becoming a fighter after she was attacked. And it was like, okay, she has to get back into her normal flow, but it's really hard for, because she doesn't trust herself, she doesn't trust anyone else. And then she meets Royce Wilson and he changes her world. And then the final book is male, male, MMA. <laughs> it's like, okay, try saying that two times fast, <laughs> just twice. Um, you have a young man who is Afro-Cubano 
I think that's right, Afro-Cuban, or do they just say, I think they say Latinx nowadays. Uh, excuse me, I'm old. <laughs> People, it's like, I just hit 57, I'm old. So you have a Latinx character who he's kind of, he's on the fence about his sexuality. He's always been on the fence. He's never had the opportunity to explore. So he, he thinks he knows what he likes, but he's not 100% sure. And then he stumbles across this guy who happens to be a vet. And he's an injured vet. And he's like, hey, I'm openly gay. I have no problem with that. You know, I accept you who, however you are, as long as you accept me. But their relationship is doomed from the start. They both find someone else, but it's the twist in the story. So it's like, I really enjoyed writing that. And for my editor, I had to warn her ahead of time, this is probably my most graphic <laughs> male-male romance story. So I apologize ahead of time. But um, I was thinking this morning before we did this interview, if I had to mention what was one of my favorite Nadira Fox titles, it would probably be Savage Charm. Savage Charm um, is about two broken souls. You have a, a guy who, he was in the military, but he was dishonorably discharged. He has, he came out of a household where all he knew was violence. His father beat his mother, he turned around and beat him. Uh, and he just, he had anger issues. He didn't trust himself with anybody. He goes to work in private security for this billionaire. And the billionaire has a daughter. And he's told everybody in the security force, I have one rule, do not touch my daughter. But of course, his daughter doesn't listen. She lost her mom when she was a little girl. It was a, a gang related shooting because her father has ties with mafia and she lost her mom and her little brother on, at the same time. And she grew up thinking she was at fault because she left something in her car. And she was like, I really, really, really need it for this dance recital. And her mom's like, okay, I'll go out to the car and get it for you. And that's when she was gunned down. It didn't help that her father also blamed her. So he, she grew up in a very cold environment. And so she sought comfort for all the guys in the security staff. <laughs> but she meets the one guy. And it's like, although they were constantly butting heads they, they found love with each other, but he didn't want to admit it. It was like, I'm not good for you. And so he fakes his death. He goes off grid uh, while she's mourning his loss. Doesn't realize that there are things happening behind the scenes. Long story short, she gets kidnapped and he has to come out of hiding to save her. And so it's a really, it's a tragic story. Uh, it's, it's intense, but it does have a happily ever after. So, but that's probably one of my favorite Nadira Fox titles to write. It sounds like there's lots of intrigue there as well as hard. And I love that you have so many diverse characters and that you're just weaving their lives together in maybe a way that people wouldn't expect because that's how life happens. You don't always ex expect, you know, to fall in love with X, Y, or Z person. <laughs> and um, that can be challenging sometimes. That's what the Deer Fox is all about, the challenge, is, is taking those characters that you really wouldn't think of going together, putting them together, but putting them in a difficult situation too. 
Whereas SF Benson is like, okay, these are diverse characters and they're extremely diverse because they tend to be paranormal, but they're dealing with those same issues that we deal with. So there's, there's racism, there's prejudice, there's sexism in their world. And they're trying to figure out how to deal with that as supernatural characters. I think that's the challenge for all of us. And I think it's an easy and good way to explore those issues in a safe environment exactly. and, and can lead to some good discussions, right? Right. So, yeah. I, so I, I, um, I give you a little questionnaire beforehand and you answered this question so amazingly. I wanted to hear it in your voice. What do you want readers to experience? experience or take away from your book? Uh, you would ask that one. I don't have it queued up. <laughs> well, you can tell me just off the cuff. You don't have to read it. Uh, but I want readers to know that we all matter in life. And this is not, I'm not doing a, a, a pug for, you know, fill in the blank, lives matter, whatever blank you want to fill in. But it's to say we all matter because we all bring to the table something unique about ourselves. And the key is respecting each other while finding a way to work together. Because if we could just do that, I think the world would be happier. It's like, it, it makes the world building fun for me because I'm trying to find ways to really crank their world and say, okay, this is impossible. But wait a minute, hold up. We got this in common. Maybe we have this in common too. Let's sit down and figure it out. And actually that's something that I'm working on right now with the uh, last book in the Spellcaster Diaries. Uh, Dark Bonds has all three witches working together. Uh, the first book, Inception, has a Celtic witch. She's the red witch. Uh, she's the one responsible for bringing all the supernaturals to the new world to begin with. Uh, Elspeth is nearly 700 years old, so she's been around the block for a while. Dark Intent is a Gothic witch with roots that trace back to Paris. And that's where their interaction crossed paths with the Red Witch and they built this animosity. So in Dark Intent, they're finding out that they need to work together, but they really don't want to work together. It's like, I hate you. There's a reason why I hate you. But then by the end, they find out it was all a lie. The reason why we shouldn't like each other is built on a lie. And that lie has been passed down from generation to generation to generation. So now in Dark Bonds, you've got a woman who is part witch, part vampire. And she has what she feels are her own reasons for not liking these women because she's got proof. It's not lies, she's got proof. She's been around since slavery. And so she's got the animosity that came with being a slave. It's like her uh, father was the plantation owner's son. And she watched her grandfather kill his son and her mother right in front of her. And so she's had that that she's dealt with. And she's gone through life feeling that, hey, I'm justified in whatever I do because of this. And so when she meets the Red Witch and what happens with them is, well, I'm justified to not like you because of this. 
Same thing with the Gothic witch. So, but by the end, she's got she's going through the series of trials. It involves voodoo magic because that's her roots. And the ancestors are putting her through these different trials. They're basically testing her character and letting her know, we have no obligation to you because you had more than one opportunity in life to help others and you didn't. But if we can get this done, we'll help, but it's not because of you. So they're learning that regardless of what your trials and tribulations are, you still may need to work together for the greater good. And that's their thing. The, the greater good is saving mankind. So I that, love that story. And I love your purpose because that's what this podcast is all about. Like embracing the good things and the amazing magic in all of us, in books, in readers, in authors and creators. So yeah, I my skin actually tingled when I read your answer to that one. Um, everyone matters in life and we are all important and we all contribute so yes. that was an amazing message that I think is really important for everyone to hear almost every day probably yeah and I try to weave that into every story to say that especially if it's a happily ever after type deal it's like okay we're happily ever after because we found our commonality we found a way to work together whether it, we found it because of love or we found it because this was the greater good. I also like that you have some similar vampire characters in my books. That was kind of interesting to hear. I have <laughs> vampire witch characters and vampires that are alive. Like they've yes. grown through evolution or they exist because of the evolution, not because somebody magically change them into a vampire which is kind of funny because I have magic in that series too so I don't know why I didn't make them magic but I kind of do because I wanted to make them accepted and in, in society eventually although it hasn't happened yet so we'll see what happens with that <laughs> so. I, I do more of that with the Blackguard Society which is the series of books it's urban fantasy and the girl here, Morgan Vladislaw, she is a dampier. Uh, her father is uh, an heir of Dracula, and her mother is an heir of Morgan Le Fay. And so that's how she got her name, Morgan. And she's named for her grandmother, her great-grandmother, Morgana. And she hooks up with a shifter. He's a wolf shifter. But uh, this series is all about her learning her mature, her, well, becoming more mature. She's very reckless. Uh, she's just coming into her powers and her powers are very strong, but she's more likely to just, when she gets pissed off, she just lets her, her powers fly. And so she said that a few of those uh, weather events that's happened in New Orleans, uh, she may be responsible for some of them <laughs> because she let her powers fly. And so the second book in the series, Bloodshed, is about the vampire who turned uh, the vampire slash witch in dark bonds. So I, I try to keep all my characters, they tend to go from one book to another. So Edwina is the uh, this part vamp, part witch, and the vamp that turned her is named Alexander. He never came back to New Orleans after he turned her, he left. But for some unknown reason, he returned. 
And when he returned, he went to this nightclub, well, actually a strip joint, and he saw this young stripper and he was mesmerized by it. He turns her and bloodshed is all, it has all the bloodlust that she is going through where she, she can hear blood flowing in people's veins. And she's like, she's wanting to get back at the jerk who turned her. And she thinks that every guy that she runs into is like, that's him, that's gotta be him. And then after she kills him, she's like, oh crap, that wasn't him, but I'm still hungry. <laughs> so it's, she's gotta learn how to control, uh, but that goes along with Morgan needing to also learn control. In the end, neither one of them learn it. And what Morgan's actions lead to Blood Fury, which is coming in July. So you find out what's the ramifications for her actions in bloodshed. She wasn't a very good girl. <laughs> that's, that's an exciting twist there. And so that's your most recent release, correct? Bloodshed. Yes. Very cool. Uh, May 26th. Well, congratulations on that. That's very exciting. So I'm enjoying the series. It's like, I hope other people do. It's 10 books. Um, I have one more coming this year, and then um, I may or may not get one out next year. It, I may skip a year and put out more the, the following year. It's like my schedule has been completely upset like everyone else's with the pandemic and these first six months trying to ease back into things hasn't been very graceful. Right, and now you have a cross-country move, so that's compounding everything. <laughs> I know, and I also have books that are coming out shortly after that. So it's like, okay, this should be fun. I'm gonna be probably writing on the road. <laughs> so do you write more than one book at one time or do you only write one book at one time? Um, that's interesting um, question because it is it's convoluted. Basically, I try to uh, draft a book. Uh, and after I finished drafting that one, it goes on a shelf and it can sit for six months before I go back to do the revision. So I'm working on other books in the meantime. But in that same month, I might also be revising another book or editing another book. So I've learned how to get the drafting and the, uh, the revisions and the editing done simultaneously on different books. So I can have, when, when I have books that come out one after the other, that's because they've been in that process because I've, I've had them done ahead of time. So it's like, uh, even if I'm writing something else at the moment, I might be planning another one. It's like, I've, I've got to do that now as I've got a, a submission for an anthology that comes out in October. And so I've got, I'm supposed to draft that next month. So I've got to get that one planned at the same time I'm drafting Dark Bonds, which is partially drafted. I started it back in February somewhere or another, it fell off the tracks because <laughs> I couldn't figure out. I was like, okay, this subject matters are depressing me. I got to do something else. So those topics that are, are really heavy, it's like I'm dealing with slavery and I'm, there's flashback moments where she's flashing back to different parts of her life. And I, that prologue was the middle passage. And so it was told through the eyes of another slave. And so I had to try to get in that moment and that makes that really difficult because I the re, even the research was difficult 
But uh, I had that same issue when I wrote book two of All Things Dark and Magical, Bitter Fruit. Uh, there's a time travel part where I take it back to Nazi Germany and there was a concentration camp. And this, it, but it was an alternate history. So in that history, Hitler knew about magical people. And so it was the magical people that he was putting in, in concentration camps. And so you had the brother and the sister together in this concentration camp and they were about to go off to the chambers and the kid is sitting there going, I don't wanna die, I don't wanna die. So that, that derailed me for a minute where it was like, it took two months before I got back to writing that one cause it was like, I don't know if I can do this. Well, maybe I bit off more than I can chew. But I think I did it, I did a, did the, the part justice, but it took a moment to do it. I can imagine. I get really emotional about my characters and the situations I put them in as well. And I wrote um, a dystopian series that turned out to be too true to life in 2020. So yeah. I, I was like, I don't think I can finish that yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, after I wrote that, I was like, I have to write a romance now. I have to write something fun where the characters fall in love and they're just happy and it's a happily ever after. <laughs> so In this book, they time travel and the girl says, let's go to 2020. I think that might be a better year. It was like, oh God, I didn't know that when I wrote it. <laughs> it's like, I, I, when I was going back and I was reading over and it was like, oh my God, I actually wrote that. Oops. <laughs> it's like, you know, anyone reading that now will go, 2020 was not a better year. You should have skipped it. <laughs> no, yeah. And I started that dystopian book in 2018. I released it in 2019. And when people, like when the pandemic hit, well, early 2019, when the pandemic, people were like, this is too eerie. I think you might be a prophet or something. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> let's not go there. There's lots of people who write pandemic flu dystopian books. <laughs> My very first series that I wrote, uh, a dystopian, uh, The Alliance Chronicles. In that, uh, there's a virus that wiped out most of the world. It was like, okay, you know, I, I really didn't know anything at that point that that was going to happen. But uh, yeah, it's going back to read that is a little eerie. So I kind of like keep that on the shelf now. I was like, okay, I don't know if I'm ready to deal with that one again. <laughs> so you've told us about your most recent release and your upcoming releases. Tell us where we can find all your books. Where's the best place to go if readers are looking for you? Uh, right now, all of SF Benson books and uh, part of Nadira Fox's catalog. Um, they're all on Amazon. They're all exclusive right now. Uh, that could change in the near future. I haven't really thought about it yet, but I'm kind of tweaking. If I can get my marketing to work the way that my writing does, <laughs> like, yay, that would be so great. But for now, everything is on Amazon and it's in Kindle Unlimited. Great. Thank you so much. And how about your website and social media? Uh, AuthorSFBenson.com is the website. Uh, I'm on Facebook under Benson SF. It's like for some reason they didn't like it the other way, so we turned it around. Um, Nadira Fox is also on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram, where I like to hang out the most, and that's AuthorSFBenson. Awesome. Yeah, I, I know you like to hang out there because I see all your awesome posts all the time. So those are always fun.
Well, it's been great talking to you today. Great talking to you and seeing you. It's like, it's I like, know. You know, two years is like, oh no. <laughs> I know. And part of me is like, I was so glad I started this podcast and these interviews because I actually get to see all you friends and hopefully maybe next year. I am going to PenCon 2022 now. So if you haven't signed up, sign up and let's go. <laughs> well, with me coming to California, maybe at some point we meet up a little bit somewhere in the middle on that side of the country. Right. Yeah. We'll have to try and plan for some West Coast events then. Yes. Well, thank you again. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. I love talking to SF today, especially about all the different fantasy characters she creates. You can find SF Benson on Instagram and Linktree as author SF Benson. Until next week, happy listening and make sure to find the magic.